Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, you're listening to Nobody Cares Except For Me. I am your host, Auntie Donahue. And today, um, like all days, I'm going to avoid a long intro because absolutely no one wants that ever under any circumstances when it's just one person hosting. You don't need to know about my day. You just, I mean, go on Twitter. It's fine. I'm making Elon Musk jokes all over the place. It's okay. Today, I've been reunited with a friend of mine I haven't seen in actual years, which is kind of the theme of this podcast. People are going to start to think I don't see anyone. And that's true. I live in a cave. This person is a writer. He is the creator, curator of the online community Boozy Fade and the live community Boozy Fade. <laughs> and he just spoiled his intro by laughing. Sorry. It's fine. Jordan Swami. Hey. Hi. Hi. This is exciting that you're here. I'm very thrilled to be here. You also look so dapper. Oh, wow. Thank you. Your sense of style is always very bang on. I really appreciate that. We're dealing with a collared shirt, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> and a cardigan with a nice crisp pair of slacks. Uh. <laughs> and let's see what the shoes are. Hold on. One second. Oh, Vans. Red Vans. It's true. You do have a good sense of style. Thank you very much. But that doesn't matter today because that's not what we're talking about, is it? No. What are we talking about? We're talking about a very stylist group of people. And um, who might they be? They are professional wrestlers. And this would be under the umbrella of? Professional wrestling. The WWF. WWE. Oh, shit. Mm -hmm. Okay, first and foremost, then, what's the difference? So WWF was what they were called up until around 2002 when the World Wildlife Fund sued them because they had previously made this agreement where the World Wildlife Fund would have the rights to the name, the the acronym uh, WWF. Everywhere around the world except for North America. Oh, okay. But then the WWE appa- apparently wasn't abiding by that. They were going elsewhere in the world. They're going to the UK. They're going to all these places using the WWF name. And then finally they got sued and they lost. And so now it stands for World Wrestling Entertainment. Oh, mm-hmm. said of the Federation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do think WWF has a better ring to it when you're like WWF uh-huh. if you're a kid of the 90s, which I think we both are. Uh, yes, yes. I think I think it's true, but I feel like I've been such a, a longtime fan that when they s- had to switch the name and it was like a painful transition, I was like, I got to do the right thing and call it by the proper name, Which, WWE. 100% understandable. <laughs> that would be like, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think of anything that ha- is the same and it isn't, so it doesn't matter. But I understand what you're getting at. So for lack of a better – so up until 2002, it's WWF. If anyone who was listening grew up in the 90s, even if you weren't fluent in wrestling, much like myself, it was everywhere. Like Austin 316, you were telling me, The Rock before he was like Dwayne Johnson as of today. Mm -hmm. He had the eyebrow thing. There was also like, do you smell The Rock is cooking? Of course, yes. There was Suck It. Suck It. Classic. Classic. Classic classic grade school insult. Oh my God. Inappropriate. Oh, inappropriate, but also hilarious. (laughs) I remember there's like, in grade eight, we all in this graduation retreat thing. It was... It was Catholic school. It was weird. But all of the guys in all the photos are doing the, like, but they're doing an X they instead of the, like. A crotch chop. And who pioneered that move? That's uh, Shawn Michaels and Triple H. 
Okay. They were the D Generation X was the name of their their faction, as they're known. <laughs> when I it's like it. a crew of wrestlers, a stable of wrestlers, they have shared interests, and um, you know they stable up. This is amazing because I am like I pretended to like wrestling because Steve Walter liked wrestling and Liam Sullivan liked wrestling, and I liked them. Mm-hmm. So I just laughed a lot at their eyebrow jokes that they had running and the um, it doesn't matter. Yes. So you're a little lad going through TV one day. How did you stumble upon this, like, the new world, for lack of a better? <laughs> it's it's funny because I, I was thinking about this recently, about, like, how, when I started watching wrestling. And I don't remember, like, the exact first time, but one of my earliest memories was watching, like, Hulk Hogan on on a WWF event and knowing that I really loved this thing and then just watching it religiously, essentially nonstop from the time that I was maybe five or six until around 2007. And then when I went to university, I kind of dropped off. I kind of dropped out and I came back in for a spell around 2012, 2013. And then I left again. And then recently, as of like last year, I'm like back full fledged, like diehard pro wrestling fan again. Okay. What was it this time that brought you around? And then we'll work our way back. Okay. So this time it was, I mean, I was living in Amsterdam. Mm -hmm. I was like pretty depressed about living in Amsterdam. I just wasn't, I mean, it it just wasn't the place for me. And I was coming to, to, to grips with that. And I was like, uh, like, what what do I like again? Like, who am I? I forgot who I am. What do I like? What's something that makes me really happy in like a childish way? And I was like, oh, yeah, wrestling. And I was living with my girlfriend at the time. And she like I would never put her through that. I would never make her watch wrestling. <laughs> Although it is a good, it's quite it's quite fun to watch. Yeah, I think some some people are willing. Some non fans are willing to, you know, dip a toe in that water. And she was not fair. And I was like, I'm not going to like, you know, try and make her watch this. So I would only be able to watch it when she wasn't home. And so I would just like watch it like for an hour here or there. It's just like, it's really good now. It's like, I feel like a lot of the, a lot of the things that I found annoying about the business, maybe 10 or 12, 15 years ago, have have really shifted and it's like a new generation. And then the other thing that really made it, that really has like solidified my fandom is that I've recently met a few people, a few otherwise normal adults who are also pro wrestling fans. And when I was younger, I feel like, there just wasn't any other normal-ish people (laughs) that liked pro wrestling in my experience of it. Yeah, I find that, like, I remember it being really, really big between, like, say, grade 6 and grade 9. And that would be, like, 95 to 99. Mm -hmm. And then Y2K kind of, like, brought... I don't know what changed. I don't know if everyone just grew up. But then it was, like, not cool anymore, whereas Mm -hmm. it was actually cool to like it. And then it became, like, we were still too young for irony, because you're still just trying to be cool. Mm-hmm. And then in college, around that, like, in the 20s, it became that, like, little cult thing again. Yes. And uh, actually that era, basically from, I think the era is, like, essentially 1998, like, 97 to around 2000, 2001. That's, like, still, like, one of the, like, the gilded age of pro wrestling, at least in the, the modern era. It's called the Attitude Era because that's what all those characters were, like Stone Cold Steve Austin. They were really, like, edgy, The Rock, like, they're like Degeneration X with the crotch chops. There was, like, a lot of, like, it was really, like, really sexual in a lot of ways. There was, like, a lot of, like, violent. There was swearing, and it was, like, kind of sexual. It was really racy. And the business isn't really like that anymore. They've moved to, like, a more PG 
um, PG product as a way of like, you know, keeping the kids into it. But we were kids then watching all of this like really racy television. <laughs> and I look back on it and I was like, hmm, maybe, maybe I didn't need to be telling my teacher to suck it. Well, I don't maybe think it's it, like the most appropriate thing. I don't think That's anyone a boy to say that to a grown man. I, well, maybe not. No, but I also feel like there's still it's interesting that like when you talk about how when you started watching it again, it was to kind of feel the joy you felt when you were a kid. And there is this like weird ties. I think a lot of us have. I don't know if it's our generation or anyone's generation, but the stuff that made us so happy in that like magic hour before we became full blown teens and still had a little bit of like innocence maybe is what I'm thinking of. All of those things have have kind of lingered. Like for me, it's the mall, oddly, where it's like I could just go to any – I love going to the mall. I'll go there all day. I'll just go to a mall. I could eat dinner at the like, food court. And I understand my adult brain is like – I know what this is. Like, it's mass commodification and commercialism and blah, blah, blah. But I don't give a shit because it makes me so happy. It reminds me of being a kid. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, we're still saying suck it in 2018. <laughs> and it's a, it's still, honestly, if I may say so, a wonderful burn. Yes, it's legendary. It's so good. Mm-hmm. The Hall of Fame of burns. It belongs there. Totally. So when you brought, so when you return to wrestling, um, it sounds like now that you were a wrestler. And I'm going to just tell everyone that you are. <laughs> um, when you began wrestling, what, like, were you able to fall in love with it in the same way or was it kind of like, I don't know, a renaissance where you've built on your existing feelings? It's I think it's largely a lot of the same fi- way because even when I was a fan when I was younger, at some point, like whenever the dawn of the Internet happened, which for me was around the year 2000, 2001, I like the first thing I ever looked up on the Internet was like pro wrestling and then. And then I started to discover this that there was this whole other world that I wasn't privy to, which is just like I remember the first thing I ever looked up on the internet was like pro wrestling, and then they had a there was this one website that had a list of all the wrestlers' real names. And for me at the time, this was like revelatory. I was like, wait, what? Randy Savage's real name is not Randy Savage. What is it? It's uh, Lanny Poffo. Wow. Well, that is a that's a fair choice for a name. <laughs> Um, I think I got that right. That might be his brother. Um, he might be listening, and he's very hurt right now. He's uh, deceased. Well, that is unfortunate. Yes, Annalise, do not cut it. Let the world laugh at my pain. <laughs> She's like, I wasn't going to. This is my revenge. <laughs> yeah, and it, then so just kind of reading about like the wrestlers' real names and starting to realize that there's this whole world outside of the ring and outside of what you see on television. That also like got me deeper into the business, and it became it became a different kind of fandom where you kind of there were all these websites and there was a newsletter called the Wrestling Observer. And in the business, they're called Dirt Sheets. And they basically have all of the backstage gossip and rumors. And you find out, you know, who's getting paid the most and like what's, you know, what's going on behind the scenes that dictates what's happening on television. And this is I think this is what intensified my love because then it was like a 360 kind of love of just like the product and what's going on behind the product. Oh, my God. I love information. (laughs) So It's like even now when somebody's like, so-and-so is actually hooking up with, I will look at them and be like, I love knowledge. And they don't know (laughs) what to say to that because that's a weird thing to say. But it is that. I think also I remember getting really into like when the internet happened, I got really – my first like movie tie-in would have been like Empire Records. I was a little late to the party. Mm. Let's be honest. I wasn't – whatever. But I made a GeoCities site based on Empire Records. And I could not get over all like, like I loved the movie for the characters and the message, but it was learning that like, fuck, like that, that um, what's that guy's name? Liv Tyler's mom ended up with the guy who played the rock star boyfriend of Deb. So-and-so didn't like so-and-so and blah, blah. And you're like, this is, like, this is fucking real life. Like, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. 
that to me is like the glue of when you kind of become not like you go from being a fan to an obsessive. Yeah. 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 It's like the IMDb trivia page. Oh, God, <laughs> I love that page. Oh, yeah. my God. Some of it I don't think is true, Yes, though. I've come to realize that in my adult years, like as I've gotten older, I'm like, oh, some of this stuff is very thinly sourced, if at all. Yeah, it's like fam- <laughs> a fan site that I made in 2001. And there's yes. like a dancing Garfield on it. And it's like GeoCities and about Renee Zellweger. But now the thing is when I would watch Empire Records and stuff, I would immediately think once I got into a glimpse into that world past the actual film, I would think, oh, I want to be in that somehow. Did you ever look at wrestling and then like the three-dimensional all eyes around it and think that that's someplace you wanted to be? You know, not necessarily. It never, I mean, because a lot of the stuff that I was reading about was pretty, it was kind of like a seedy underbelly, you know, it's like a really, it's a hard lifestyle that a lot of these people live. Like they're like on the road, like 300 days a year. And like you're from hotel to hotel, to airport, to long car ride. It just, it just did not seem like an environment that I was like, oh, that seems like a healthy place to put myself. Although I will say like now that I'm a little older, I, I mean, actually I feel the same. (laughs) <laughs> I still feel the same. I think the business has changed a lot because, like, in the even the, like the '90s, the '80s, I guess a bit in the 2000s, like it was still a very he- like heavy, like kind of like rock and roll lifestyle kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And it's not really like that anymore. I think there's elements of it, but it's kind of shifted more to like oh, we play video games backstage. Whereas before it was like we're sharing pain pills and you know yeah. and. There are women here and like, you know, like that we're like they're like fans and like, you know, group like all kinds of like just I'm, I'm sure that some of that stuff still happens, but mm-hmm. it's just a lot less a part of the cult, like the culture than it used to be. Yeah, I feel like it's almost the only do you call like would you call it a sport? This a sport? sports entertainment. OK, so I almost feel like it's the only facet of sports and entertainment where they don't glamorize who they are even when they're performing. Like it's still very gritty. Like there's still that element of like. Like where you see a baseball player and they're polished in their in their uniforms or you see an actor and they're like all dressed up on the red carpet. This is very like it's almost like the grittier you are, the more credibility you have, even though you're a character. Uh-huh. It's, I mean, it's interesting because there are also characters who do the opposite. It's mm-hmm. like I'm really like there's this one wrestler, Bobby Roode, uh, who's actually Canadian, which I always feel great about. Um, and. His nickname is Glorious, and he has this, like, really elaborate theme song. It's like, Glorious, and he comes out in this very elaborate, like, robe. And it just, like, it's, like, honestly, like, the most interesting thing about him is his presentation. It's just, like, it's the robe, it's the entrance, and then after that, it's kind of, like, whatever. But, like, his whole character is his looks and, and how he's dressed and, you know, just how he carries himself. I also think it's interesting, and maybe you'll agree and maybe you don't. If not, let's fight um, wrestler style and the ring I have set up outside of the studio. It's based on fighting and, like, man-to-man combat. And there's, like, a lot of the myth of male masculinity is tied in there. But it also isn't this – it's also very self-aware in its exploration of those things, I find, anyways. In the 90s, not so much. But mm-hmm. from what I, like, very, very quickly Googled – waiting like today it doesn't seem as like stacked on like the myth of like what men should be or like man it's mostly this idea of like character exploration yes absolutely absolutely and i think that i mean one of the things that like kind of really interested me when i was getting back into it in the last few years is that even the way like for instance like now women's wrestling in the wwe is like a big deal Mm -hmm. whereas before like they would have women's matches but they weren't they were like I'm going to bring up some some bad things in the WWE history of like 
just their gender dynamics in the like two thousands and yeah, in the two thousands they would have these like, they would have matches that like the women's matches, but they'd be like bra and panties matches. I remember that where the winner would have to strip the other one down to their bra and panties. And like, that's like essentially what outside of like, you know, being a second or a manager to a male wrestler, that's like what the role a lot of the women played in that, in that era. And now it's completely different. Like they, like the women are, they have a women's division and it's very well respected. And some of the best performers, some of the, like some of the most interesting matches happen with these women wrestlers. And this like was like when I left, like watching wrestling in like 2007, this was like the idea of this happening in the WWE was like, it was so foreign. There was, there was no way that I could have envisioned a world where some of the most interesting and the top stars, like people who can main event a pay-per-view or anything would be like these like super talented women wrestlers. I just never thought that the WWE would come around to that, but like now they're there. Which is so cool. It's very cool. We're going to pause for a commercial break because that's what I have to do, but then we'll get back to talking about this more. Yes. Yay. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow, what a commercial break. Amazing. It's done. We did okay, it. Okay, wow. I know. When you talk about women in the like that's that to me, I think as a girl watching it growing up, that was what alienated me from it because I remember Hulk Hogan cuz he was part of it and his band of merry men and they were always very like super like masculine blah blah, blah. and then the women always had like 80s tank tops and like 80s hair mm-hmm. and then like the high-rise bikini shorts and they would like carry the sign around and I wasn't allowed to watch wrestling because of that. Like, my mom and dad were like, we don't know what this is. My mom's, like, Lithuanian, so she was like, I think this is inappropriate because what the fuck. Mm -hmm. And I remember feeling alienated from it because of it. But then when you watch in the 80s and the 90s, there's more of a comedic aspect to it, I think. I don't know if maybe that's just me projecting or me wanting to because the guys that I liked liked wrestling. And Mm -hmm. I was always very – like, you know what I mean? I always laughed at – the clips we saw because they seemed actually funny and the comedic timing was good and it makes sense that Dwayne Johnson's a, um, an actor now to be honest mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know if you feel the same way no it, I think the 90s like especially like the as it's called the attitude era in the WWF it became there was a lot more intentional comedy yeah. and just a lot more like a lot of the rocks early most interesting stuff was like he was just a really funny, a really funny character. You know, the it doesn't matter. You know, he's like, well, excuse me, what's your name? And he's like, uh, my name is it doesn't matter. what you're, Like, it just it's was so a funny good. construct. It's, you know? still it's still funny. I'm laughing, genuinely thinking about that right now. <laughs> <laughs> and how, what a fucking mind fuck that would be to walk up to someone and do that. Oh, my God. I was telling Jordan before this started that in grade nine, my friend Ashley was on the big staircase. It was lunchtime. And all the seniors would hang around the staircase. And she's like, this little 14-year-old walking down the stairs. And and Danny O'Farrell, who was like the babe amongst babes, walked up to her and he's like, hey, hey, what time is it? And she went to look at her watch and she was like, it's happening. Danny O'Farrell's going to ask me out after this. And he goes, that doesn't matter. And all the seniors laughed and laughed. And I still laugh thinking about it <laughs> on my own time. What for you when you were a kid? Was it a person? Was it the idea of wrestling? Was it the institution? What was it that like beckoned you from the television 
I think it was it was kind of all of that, but the I do attribute it to Hulk Hogan. He was the the big star at the time, and I don't even know what it was about him other than him being the big star. Maybe it was just like he was like, "Say your prayers, eat your vitamins." Like it was like a really like this message. It was like the most, you know, it was the classic good guy attitude. Mm-hmm. And I just remember like one of my earliest memories is watching like Hulk Hogan like finish this television show and then I, I started crying because the show was over and my and my family <laughs> I remember like some of my mom's friends were my my parents' friends were over and they were kind of like, Wow, that kid's really into it. <laughs> you know, Bless like, your heart. <laughs> you loved Hulk. I lo- I loved him. And then tragically, as we, we may know from the Hulk Hogan story, the Gawker lawsuit. Oh right. The some really damaging audio of Hulk Hogan saying some horrifically Racist things came yeah. out, and I don't, I don't know. You can't see me, but I'm I'm a black man, uh, listener, dear listener, and it's <laughs> like it was hard for me to deal with. It's like Hulk, I loved you, I welcomed you to my home, and um, maybe I shouldn't have. That's a massive betrayal. Yeah, it's a betrayal. It's like this is it, for me. It's like I still have all these happy memories of of Hulk Hogan, his career in general, and uh, now I'm just kind of like I don't really need to see you ever again. <laughs> yeah, that was. <laughs> I like he became in between like this caricature of a person where if you like follow pop culture and both of us do for, like personally and for work and stuff where he went from being that like beloved 90s figure his last late 80s to being this like flailing person that you're like, OK, like I see you're trying to make it in the world of the Internet. Sure. And then it morphed into that thing where you're like. Oh, you suck. Like, you're the, oh, fuck you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're all those bendy toys. Like, <laughs> I hate this. Do you know how the WWF, E, WWE, sorry, I'm being respectful. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. It is your church, and <laughs> I will not uh, befall it. Did you know how they, re- did they ever say anything about that? Yes, they did. What did they say? They basically banished every mention of Hulk Hogan from, they removed him from the website, they removed him from, they just like don't talk about him at all. And this has been, it's been a few years running now, maybe two, three. Mm -hmm. And very recently, there's been a lot of talk. uh, And some friends were telling me recently, it's all but confirmed that he's going to be coming back to the WWE in some context. Oh. And this is going to be like, if and when he does come back, it's going to be very controversial. Because there's even been some like, some like black wrestlers who are like, Hulk Hogan's going to need to come and talk to us before he comes back. He used to come and like, like essentially just like, like apologize or atone or just at least come and have a conversation with us before we can even talk about him returning to the locker room and kind of assuming this position. Yeah. I mean, and as that should be, that's mm-hmm. interesting. Do you know when did like, the, when did those rumors start? They've been, I feel like percolating for the last like year or so, because I mean, like Hulk Hogan is crazy rich now because of this Gawker lawsuit that he won, um, that bankrupted them. And, but it's like for him and somebody I feel like who's been attached to that level of stardom since the early to mid 80s, that's like, you know, 30 years of being one of the biggest stars in your profession. Like he's attached. He needs that. He needs that adulation from the crowd. He needs to have his moment in the sun. And so I know he's been clamoring for a return. And it's just about, you know, I mean, with the WWE, it always seems like if you're a legend or a star and you'll always get your return moment. So mm-hmm. it's it feels like it's a matter of time, but it's just going to be like there's it's going to be like a really uncomfortable transition, I think. 
it should for him. I hope it is. It yes. should be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Does not get the red carpet of your of the other person we mentioned with the robe. Mm-hmm. That's, that's right, Bobby Roode. That's right. <laughs> Has the way that like kind of like peering behind the curtain of Hogan and the realities of like, like you even said, like in the 90s and the 80s, it was like not glamorous and it was shitty, blah, blah, Has that given you a different viewpoint when you look at your like old wrestling heroes versus the way that you look at your maybe current wrestling heroes? Yes, actually it does. I think, so around the, in the 2000s at some point, the WWE instituted mandatory drug testing and like a lot, just like, it's called a wellness policy cool. where they kind of, they're, they just became a lot more rigorous about how they examine what's going on with the wrestlers' bodies and like and just like their health in general. But up so up until like the mid two thousands, there was like essentially there was drug testing, but it was like feckless. Like it, there was like there was it was very weak. So now when I look back and I watch like wrestling from like the nineties, even the early two thousands, and like the eighties, I'm just like, oh, like that person is probably using steroids. Like I see it so much, and it's not just in the really big guys; it's even in the medium sized guys. You're like, ooh, that's a ton of muscle on that frame, and it just like, I don't know, it just plays differently to me now. Similarly, now that we know all we know about concussions mm-hmm. and CTE, it's like it has completely changed like how I view wrestling. Like. Before, when I was younger, I was like, chair shot, hell yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And, you know, yeah, jump off of that balcony, you know? But now it's a lot more like, I just like, I'm like, I hope they're safe. You know, I want them to, I want them to take care because it's like, you know, I'm 31 and I feel like I just think of them as like people in a way that I didn't, as a person with like a family maybe and like loved ones in a way that I never considered any of that when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, do the most damaging thing, please. Right. (laughs) Well, I think it's also like when you watch old movies now, like the wizard of Oz, like growing up and being like, I love Judy Garland. She's amazing. Oh my God. And now as an adult woman, I'm like, you were given basically like amphetamines from your childhood. You were told to wear fake nose. Like you watch all of this stuff and now you're watching actors, today and you're like oh like sweet baby angel please take care of yourself like you don't get to have another brain please be careful but it's weird but yeah i can't quit it i can't quit watching movies i can't quit it like and you can't quit west you can't quit westlife not again never again never again never again i'm a i'm going to an event on friday night i'm going to chicago in september for an event oh my god like these are things that like i never considered doing i well i just couldn't do when i was younger and now i'm like oh i'm an adult like i can travel to a wrestling event if I would like to. You can. And I'm going to. There's a really good podcast by, oh my God, if you listen to My Favorite Murder, George's husband, Vince, it's about wrestling. It's about WWE. Do you know what it's called? I will tell you after this. And I will link to it, listeners, someplace. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's like when they found the Golden State Killer, George's whole thing was like, Vince, I'm sorry, we can't have brunch. This is my WrestleMania. <laughs> and he was like, I understand, and made them bacon and eggs and then like went out for the day. That's lovely. But it's like, yeah, I think you'd like the podcast a lot because there is this new resurgence of wrestling. It's almost like like with women, you get embarrassed about that thing you loved so much. So you're like, I used to get out of here for me we like boy bands like one direction yada yada Mm -hmm. and then you hit a point where you're like fuck you the world is burning and we're barreling towards death i'm gonna enjoy my thing you're enjoying wrestling absolutely absolutely and i think that what something that's happened with wrestling is like it's really shocking for me but interesting because it fits in kind of like what you were saying about the demographic like your aging and stuff is that now all these major publications that maybe 10 like 10 
11 years ago the WWE would die to get attention from mm-hmm. are all paying attention to wrestling. So it's like Sports Illustrated, ESPN, like Rolling Stone, all these like legacy media publications all have a sec like a section devoted to wrestling. And I think a big part of that is that a lot of the people, a lot of the kids that came of age during the Attitude Era like when I was like 12, 13, 14, they're now 30, 31, and they're working at these companies and they're able to like articulate what's special about it. And I think the fan base is also – so a lot of people have aged with, with the business. And now there's just like – I don't know. There's a, there's a lot – there's like a connoisseurship to it. And I think that a lot of these publications are playing into that now. Also, I think it's like entertainment in this realm where like it's so different than – I'm using your quotes just so everybody – can know this when you're listening in your car and it's accurate, the real sports, because there is this like self-awareness to WWE that is lacking in other sports. Like I use baseball because I love baseball, but there's real, like real injuries, real shit going down in that industry, real issues with like, God, spanning everything. There's like drug use. There's like homophobia. There's, um, I'm sh- there's domestic violence. There's all of that. And then you see these men, and they're supposed to perform to like the best of their ability, and like we see them as gods and blah 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 blah. And then in wrestling, you almost see them as men and actors before you see them as athletes, mm-hmm. and that kind of creates more of a, I think, healthier discourse because at the same time, real athletes are performing too. We're also just seeing characters as well. Mm-hmm. But you can have more conversations when you are aware that someone is playing a character. It's true. And the WWE is not without its like a litany of issues, especially in regards to gender dynamics and race and just like all of the things that that are issues everywhere else in the world are magnified in WWE and it's sometimes it's really conflicted. It makes you really conflicted as a fan because a lot of the WWE's like politics are probably not in line with 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 my politics or my like my two adult friends that I recently met who helped me get back into the business. I think we all kind of share similar worldviews, and the WWE doesn't really share that worldview. Mm-hmm. But we're also in a position where we're like, I don't know if I can stop watching. You know, like it's hard. Well, it's also you get to, as an adult, you get to make that choice, and you're a grown ass man. It's true. You get to decide. You're right. Yeah, you know, like you can trust your your gut barometer, mm-hmm. and you know, just feel the appropriate amount of shame for doing the action. Exactly. <laughs> You're gonna go up to someone after this, like Bart Simpson does to Homer, and crack a chair over their back when they're in the bathtub. I mean, when I was younger, yes, that was sounds like something I would do. Now I realize that's assault. That is, you know, for sure. in the wrestling context, that works. But outside of that, that is a crime. Outside of the ring, it's a it's a literal crime, <laughs> even though it's like they're doing well choreographed moves, which is also interesting. One of the things I think about now that when I watch wrestling is there's so many things like you know a, a staple of the professional wrestling business is like the backstage attack uh, segment Ooh. where someone two wrestlers who have an issue, you know one one guy maybe might just jump the other one, hit him with a chair backstage or or whatever, and like now I watch it, I'm like you assaulted a coworker in the workplace. Outside of the construct of the of the of the activity, that's a crime. That's <laughs> like, a hardcore crime. That's a you're at least getting written up by HR. At one the, would hope you're getting at least a verbal warning. That's right. You are being taken. They're like, you can't do that again. We'll have to write you up next time. Or if you were the retail life, you know that means you have like three more chances to fuck up really big <laughs> before right. you're finally fired. You never get fired for beating up a coworker. No, and you have to do it the exact same way this three times. Listen, 
as a former key holder. (laughs) Let's just say um, I'm going to parlay our conversation now into rapid fire questions. Okay. I know. Yes, let's do it. This is a well-oiled machine. Much like a wrestling, I was going to say dance, but that doesn't sound performance. Match. Match. It's good. I'm not even pretending to be this obtuse. I just am. I'm so sorry. I like it though. I, you know what? The wrestling be, performance sounds way better. Wrestling performance. It is a performance. Yes. Okay. So hands down, we're gonna go three generations. Okay. Tiny childhood Jordan, favorite wrestler. Hulk Hogan. Adolescent Jordan, favorite wrestler. Brett the Hitman Hart. Oh yeah. Grown ass man Jordan, favorite um, wrestler. He's listening. Remember that. Finn Balor. Ooh. What's what's the deal? Give me one line on Finn. So Why do you like him? Finn is an Irish wrestler who, when I was last watching in the business, was like around the 2000s to late 2000s. He was working for this Japanese organization called New Japan Pro Wrestling. There's a character named Prince Devitt. And there used to be this issue in wrestling where they would only let the champion be a really physically imposing person. Like, you'd have to be, like, huge. Not even, like... You know, like Bret Hart was a champion in the late 90s, and he was like probably like 6'1", 235, and even he was on the small side. But then when they started doing the drug testing in the 2000s, they started to realize like these guys can't be taking all the stuff they used to take before to make them so huge. They had to like shift what the cha- what it meant to be a- the champion. And Finn Balor is like a really small-sized dude. He's probably like like 5'11 or 6 foot, and he's probably like 190, but he's like ripped. Oh shit! And but like coming back into like wrestling and seeing him as a ch- like a championship type, I was just like, this is so progressive. <laughs> you know, it felt it felt new and fresh. And I I'm also just like really like entertained and inspired by his by his ascent because like ten years ago I was like, oh, this guy could never be a WWE champion. And then like here we are ten years later, and he's the kind of guy that's like could be the face of the company. Oh, that's sick! I love that. Okay, what have you learned from uh, your love of WWE? What has it taught you? I think that things that you love can change for the better sometimes, even if you don't expect them to. Yeah, just with like the women's revolution and the WWE and some of the other characters that that they have right now, I just really never thought that it would get to this point where they're actually responding so deeply to fan criticisms and like fan expectations. And I don't know. It feels it feels like one of the most rewarding eras to have ever paid attention to wrestling for me. Oh, I love that. What are you still hoping um, will change? They really need to improve with like a lot of the, just like a lot of the. There's they've made a, a lot of huge steps with the women, but there's more that they can go. And I think just kind of, you know, allowing for a lot more variety in what the women are doing on the events. I think racial dynamics really need to. They still have these like weird racial hangups where they. It's like the WWE in a lot of ways sometimes can feel like it's like three years behind like real li- the rest of life. They have a character named Ginger Mahal, who's a Canadian dude actually, and his character is kind of like the evil foreigner. And I was like, we just got to get rid of the evil foreigner yeah, gimmick. Like, just thing. you can just make them evil for regular human things. He's like, I like to cheat, you know what I mean? Yeah, or like, bad. yeah, or like he's like he's really wealthy, like yeah, just like a yeah. regular regular <laughs> evil things. Yeah, you don't have to be like. I'm from India and like Ooh. I think this is the America is terrible like it's just like that is it's such a dated gimmick and like honestly it's really uncomfortable because I mean some of the fans already have these like kind of negative views of of different of people who are different from them and it's like why reinforce that when you could actually 
subvert that by just making them a regular evil person <laughs> that there's, has nothing to do with where they're from. Yeah, there's a lot of different realms of evil, all of which can be explored in almost any other movie or TV trope. That's mm. like, he could just be like, I don't know, I hate... Listen, you'd be shoplifter. That'd yes, be fine. Right. <laughs> Just be like gimmick. shoplifting. Like, yes. And does everything you say go back to retail? Yes, it just does. Okay, so on a lighter note, mm-hmm. what's your favorite WWE catchphrase? Oof. I feel like none are cycling through my head right now because there's so many. Okay. Um, it doesn't matter. Is up there. There's This is like not a WWE one. It's kind of similar. But there's a wrestler in the rival promotion of the WWE, which they later bought, called WCW, World mm-hmm. Championship Wrestling. His name was Conan. And he had this one, like, sort of mini catchphrase where he he would, like, ask the, you know, an interviewer backstage is, like, interviewing him. He's like, he's like, oh, he'll say something like, oh, nice shirt or, like, nice title. And he's like, yeah, you want to feel? And then he would touch. He's like, that's enough. Oh, I love that. <laughs> that's, like, how I feel every day. <laughs> nice. When anyone even hugs me, I'm like, that's enough. Uh-huh. Don't touch me. That's amazing. Okay, now here's my question to you. Mm-hmm. So in your dream world, you are a professional wrestler finally. Okay. What is your name? What is your move? What is your catchphrase? Um, my name mm-hmm. is my government name, Jordan Suwami. Oh, you're just going to go right for it. Yep, going right for you're it. Not, no stage name for you. No stage name. Okay. I want you to know. That right. me in the ring is me outside the ring. Wow. Okay. You looked at me right in the eyes <laughs> when you said that. And I like I, I wasn't gonna doubt that. I know. It, mm-hmm. it, all right, okay, okay. Very convincing already. Uh, my move is a move that already exists that somebody another professional wrestler uses, but I think it has the best name. It's called the Canadian Destroyer. Ooh. And so what is that? It's a we just go and take people's land. Is that what <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Excellent. Um he basically does a flip, a front flip and then a pile driver, mm. which is ridiculous and it looks ridiculous. I mean, I can't do a cartwheel, so right away I'm like sold. Yes. Now, what's your catchphrase? And my catchphrase is, you know what time it is? Just, it's me time. Oh my god! <laughs> Gotta have that that little delay. That scared me in a good <laughs> way. <laughs> I was like, oh, he knows I'm about to interrupt him. Oh my god! <laughs> Respect goes towards you and this alter ego that you have now birthed on this podcast. I'm really excited I for mean, our future. I mean, me too. Okay, so tell the internet now where they can find you and all that fun stuff. Give them it all. all okay, of it. you can find me on Instagram or Twitter at Jordan is Joso, and on Facebook you can find uh, the online communities that I run. Search Boosie Fade the group or Boosie Fade Film Club and you'll be right in the epicenter of hip hop and R&B discussion or film and television discussion. Both very, very exciting. Yeah. And really cool and smart. Full of smart people. Yes. Thank you very much. Yeah. I love like all the work you do. God damn it. You're brilliant, Jordan. <laughs> oh, you too, Anne. Thank you so much. Well, I know that I'm brilliant. Yes, you should know. That's going to be my wrestling move. Just be like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Constantly, they're like, we're going to get like, and it would just be like, instead of an actual move, I would look up and look somebody up and down with just contempt and be like, ugh. <laughs> and it would just break them. They wouldn't be able to do anything. They're just full of self-doubt immediately. Just chip away at their armor. It sounds like a great idea. But yes, everyone on the internet should follow you because you are a delight. And also, um, I'm so happy you came on here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I of really enjoyed course. it. Of course. Oh my God. Okay. So this was Nobody Cares Except for Me. I'm Auntie Donahue. You can find me at Auntie Donahue on Insta, Twitter, etc. Also, if you go to nobodycarespodcast.ca and type in what you care about and no one else does, um, I will read it on a podcast. Bananas, I know. Let's just really reflect on that. Okay. Thanks for listening. I will see you next week. Okay. Bye.
even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.